0: Many a moon ago, when people were talking about chemtrails and geoengineering and things like that, I would have looked at those people and just thought, well, you're crazy. Well, it turns out I owe those people an apology, because who was the crazy one, really? It was me. When you look into all this stuff, it's actually happening, it's been happening for a long, long time, and it took me a while to to realise that that was the case. But here we are, they're spraying the skies, they're tracking our cars, they're implementing facial recognition technology, they've inserted uh, experimental medication into people, with not much of a a fuss about it. And it really does sound like a science fiction novel. Yet here we are, living in that world. Going to go into all of that in just one second. But first, welcome to the Arriving Somewhere with Matt J podcast, commentary, comedy, and conversation, please remember to like, share, subscribe and comment, you know the drill by now. Okay, let's get into it. We'll start with probably the thing that people want to hear about the most, which is the spraying of our skies. Now, years ago, as I mentioned, I would have just thought this was madness. No, no way, this is a thing. Calm down. Don't be such a conspiracy nut. And I mean, I don't really know why I didn't believe it, because I mean, we had as When I was a kid growing up, we had things called, uh, hail. we used to call them hail guns. They were just these loud booms that you would hear whenever a storm was approaching. And they are actually mainly called hail cannons, but we used to call them hail guns. Anyway, so I I looked up the hail gun or hail cannon. And because you think, well, as a kid, was I imagining this? But it's not, not your imagination. It actually happened. So hail cannon. This is from amusing planet. There's various other sites you can go to. Uh, hail cannon, a gun that allegedly controls weather. And this is an article from 2015 that uh, says the hail cannon is a funnel-shaped device. Now, picture a massive funnel that you can well speak through, and with the big, the larger end facing the sky is a, it's a a funnel-shaped device that supposedly disrupts formations of hailstones by creating shock waves, an explosive mixture mixture of acetylene and oxygen. I'm not sure if acetylene anyway. And oxygen is ignited in the lower chamber of the machines. As the resulting blast passes through the neck and into the cone, it develops into a shock wave, which then travels at the speed of sound through the cloud formations above. It's believed that the shock wave disrupts the growth phase of hailstones. Now. These things have been used for over a hundred years. Apparently it was originally developed in Austria on a vineyard in in the 1890s. Um, Although this one says hail cannons were used, first used in the mid-19th century by Italians. So, Austrian, Italian, I'm sure there'd be arguments over it. They fired uh, small specially made cannons filled with gunpowder at clouds that threatened to hail on their orchards and vineyards. Um, today, Mike Eggers Limited, a New Zealand-based manufacturer, is the principal supplier of hail cannons in the United States. These machines sell for as much as $50,000. The effectiveness of hail cannons is inconclusive. Farmers who use them swear they work, while others point out that thunder also creates shockwaves, which are much more powerful. Yet, they uh, doesn't disrupt the growth of hailstones. Meteorologists also disagree the science behind that, the hail cannon. Okay, so the first testing was performed in Austria and in 1896 the first one was, was tested and the, fir- the idea was first floated in the 1880s by an Italian professor. There you go. That makes a bit more sense. Uh, it says whenever they were failed to suppress hail it was generally blamed on improper firing because you had to do it at um, the correct time. But when there was a damaging hailstorm that occurred in the early 1900s, many of the farmers began to have doubts and uh, the cannons were sort of largely abandoned. But they made a bit of a renaissance in the late 40s and 50s uh, in the United States by means of aircraft-based cloud seeding. Uh, So they've come back into fashion and they've found use uh, beyond agriculture. Nissan, the US-based car manufacturer, employs hail cannons at their Mississippi factory to protect the new vehicles. Uh, scientists believe again that hail cannons don't work at all, but disproving them is hard because weather itself is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So basically, they they were used. I do remember them, and this is a form of weather modification. Now, it's not that much of a leap to go from weather modification, as this article even says, to cloud seeding and things like chemtrails, geoengineering is, is what we're talking about, and. It's just funny because the evidence, if you just start to look into it and people, because it sounds ridiculous and there is a lot of ridiculous language and what I, what you'd call conspiracy type language used around these things. Like people think of someone like an Alex Jones that if he talks about something in a lot of people's minds it's going to discredit whatever that thing is. And that is how you use things like controlled opposition, not saying he is or not but that's how you use things like controlled opposition to get the majority of the public to think it's ludicrous or ridiculous. And yet then later on to go along with, oh yeah, that was always a thing. But if you you just start to look into this, weather modification projects, they're everywhere. This is from the Weather Program Office, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the NOAA.gov website in the US. Uh, It says, in the late 1940s and 50s, Many deemed the deliberate or inadvertent alteration of of atmospheric conditions by human activity, also known as weather modification, as a promising science of the future. Currently, the most common form of weather modification is cloud seeding, which increases rain or snow, usually for the purposes of increasing the local water supply. Uh, Weather modification can also have the goal of preventing damaging weather, such as hail or hurricanes, from occurring. So there you go, government website on weather modification out of the US. Now you've also got a New Zealand company called the Pacific Aerospace and they develop a plane called the Cresco. Latin for I grow apparently. Crisco? Crisco. Dunno, Cresco. Now you can buy this plane in New Zealand, and if you go down to what it's actually the ability of, that it has, it says crop dusting and spraying, rain making slash cloud seeding has a large payload capacity. The airframe is resistant to corrosion from seeding material. But don't worry about spraying it on human beings. If it's corroding metal, eh, I'm sure it's fine. Uh, it can also do firebombing. So, there you go. Um, that's a New Zealand company. The reason I discovered that New Zealand company is actually looking at, um, at the flight trackers, the flight radars. And there was a plane acting very, very strange. And I zoomed in on it and it was just doing those those lines that you often see the conspiracy theorists posting. And I thought, huh, and it had no, not a lot of information about the flight apart from the the plane type. So I looked up the plane type and that would lead me straight to this New Zealand company. Now, on top of that, if that's still not enough for the doubters, the history.state.gov, the American Office of the Historian as a government uh, website, and they have, where is it? Uh, Operation Popeye. You heard of Operation Popeye from the 1960s? Oh, we'll we'll go into this. This is a proposal. So this is Washington, January 13th, 1967. Again, this is on a government website in the US. Proposal. The Department of Defence has requested our approval to initiate the operational phase of Project Popeye in selected areas along the infiltration routes in North Vietnam and Southern Laos. The objective of the program is to produce sufficient rainfall along these lines of communication to basically stop or at least interfere with uh, truck traffic between North and South Vietnam. Recently improved, again this is in 1967 being written, recently improved cloud seeding techniques would be applied on a sustained basis in a non-publicised effort to induce continued rainfall through the months of the normal dry season. They go on to say, a test phase of Project Popeye was approved by State and Defense and and conducted during October 1966 in a strip of the Lao Panhandle, generally east of the, uh, it doesn't matter, Valley, blah, blah, blah. The test was conducted without consultation with Lao authorities, but with Ambassador Sullivan's knowledge and concurrence, and to the best of our knowledge, remains unknown to other than a severely limited number of U.S. officials. It goes on to say, during the test phase, more than 50 cloud seeding experiments were conducted. The results are viewed by the DOD, or I guess that's the Defense uh, Department of Defense, as outstandingly successful. 82% of the cloud seeded produced rain within a brief period after seeding, a percentage appreciably higher than normal expectation in the absence of seeding. The amount of rainfall induced by seeding is believed to have been sufficient to have contributed substantially to rendering vehicular routes in this area inoperable since the end of the rainy season the communists have failed to undertake route repairs and there has been no vehicle uh, traffic in one instance the rainfall continued as the cloud moved eastward across across the Vietnam border and inundated a US special forces camp with 9 inches of rain in 4 hours Uh, DoD scientists consider that the experiment demonstrated a capacity to raise and maintain rainfall under controlled conditions to the level at which the land is saturated over a sustained period, slowing movement on foot and rendering the operation of vehicles impractical. In our view, the experiments were undeniably successful, indicating that, at least under weather and terrain conditions such as those involved, the US government has realised the capability of significant weather modification – if anything, the tests were too successful. Neither the volume of induced rainfall nor the extent of area affected can be precisely predicted. The only absolute control, therefore, is after the fact, i.e. to halt cloud seeding missions. And this is reading from a proposal to um, the Grant Authority for the Conduct of Cloud-Setting Activities on a Sustained Basis. Again, 1967. So you're talking 50 years ago. What are they able to do today? Now throw in the likes of things like HAARP up in Alaska, which, and HAARP being the High Frequency Active or aur- I never know how to pronounce that, Auroral <laughs> Research Program. How have you say it? I've only ever read it, which is a, apparently researchers studying the ionosphere, and that was passed on from the transferred from the United States Air Force to the University of Alaska in 2015, and I do remember seeing somebody in Congress, a military member saying something along the lines of that their, and this is in the late 80s, early 90s, that their research into the ionosphere had been concluded. Again, you're, you're talking 30 plus years ago. So there you go, geoengineering or cloud seeding or chemtrails are a thing. And I think we all owe an apology to, to the conspiracy theorist Nuts, that I'll still call them Nuts, but, you know, they were correct. And we would, they were just mocked. And I guess the same thing you're seeing today with the experimental medication that's been going around. The people, the doctors, the scientists that were saying, hey, this isn't okay. We don't know what's in this stuff. We don't know what it's going to do. And pointing out and trying to warn people were labelled and branded, well, conspiracy theorists and, what, anti-science? And they were smeared all through the media because it's just something that we had to do as a collective to end the Rona. And turns out they were all correct, and yet a lot of them are still labelled as nut jobs. So we can see how all this works. But what's going to happen is you'll start to get, we'll start to get people that will say, "Oh, yeah, they've always done cloud setting, Yeah, I, I never doubted it." But that's not true. We we know the fact that most of the people that brought this sort of thing up, I mean, they were considered the crazies, and now I guess you and I are also considered part of the crazies. And I think it's a privilege and, a, and a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be considered part of that group now. But we also have to be aware, because I, I, I do know, uh, I listen to a lot of people and they're talking about things and conspiracies and whatnot. And you've always got to keep an open mind with this type of thing. Don't just blindly follow. I blindly disagreed with the cloud seeding thing or the geoengineering thing or the chemtrail thing, whatever you want to name it. I blindly disagreed which is just stupid, because I knew nothing about it. Yet I knew hail cannons were a thing. Anywho, moving on to uh, a smart speed cameras, because, <laughs> why not? Smart speed cameras have been uh, could be in use within months in New Zealand. Oh, that sounds like a laugh. Let's see what this is about. From Radio New Zealand, speed cameras that take two pictures at two different spots in order to work out a vehicle's average speed could be in use within months. Now I know this is used in different parts of the world particularly on motorways in Britain but in New Zealand they haven't been, well that we know of as we see with cloud setting, they experiment on us all the time. Uh, Transport agency documents say law changes could allow them to be used against more offences including tailgating and seeing inside a car to spot drivers using cell phones or not belted in. So they will change the law to be able to see inside your car. So the OIA which is the Official Information Act papers, basically a Freedom of Information Act show Waka Kotahi, which is the Ministry of Transport in New Zealand, again they've renamed everything and used the Māori name for some reason The The papers show um, the Ministry of Transport has been working on this in a new ho- highway tolling system Oh, cool That can also be used for congestion charging for a couple of years It's not going to be a couple of years Its plans say the point-to-point or average speed cameras could be a game-changer, enabling us to manage corridor speeds rather than spot speed. They would be three times better than fixed or mobile speed cameras at cutting the road toll. The smart cameras can be used to provide evidence, for example, that a driver is using a mobile phone or not wearing a seatbelt. Camera-based enforcement can be invasive, as images are purposefully taken of the driver and passenger compartment, Uh, the business case stated. It says also says that they could be, so they're going to have to change some laws to have point-to-point cameras, automation of offence processing and fine notices delivered to cell phones. Oh, great. Everything's connected. The internet of things, the social credit system beginning to build up nicely. Already 26 of the new cameras are on order to add to the 142 strong network. The agency is calling them safety cameras in a cabinet-ordered attempt to shift the public away from perceptions that safety cameras are an enforcement revenue-gathering tool and more concerned with the privacy. Uh, medium and high-risk roads will be the target. A camera business case estimates they could save between 1,500 and 2,400 lives and $1.5 billion across two decades. The privacy implications are still being worked out by the Privacy Commissioner. A Spanish traffic company, SICE, I'm not going to try and pronounce their their actual name, uh, won the contract for the cameras and tolling. The work is being, being done quickly alongside a review of road offence penalties with the aim of saving 114 lives a year by, what year? 2030. Now New Zealand also has a new campaign out called The Road to Zero, where they want zero people killed on the roads. And... This fits in nicely. And it's just, again, you're going to, we'll go into the next article in a second with facial wreck. Um, but just add this onto it. It's a social credit style system coming into play. Just seeding all the architecture, just all the little bits needed to bring it in. Now, they also said fines are set to rise and demerit points are very likely to be stiffer and applied for the first time to camera offences. The ministry said it would not say how many cameras it planned to have. The privacy implications, it says, uh, the business case says the data and digital images captured by cameras, their storage and their use all have privacy privacy implications. And, of course, they're bringing in toll roads because electric cars aren't paying the petrol taxes. So they have to pay people for being on the roads in the first place. Now, if you're driving a petrol car, well, it doesn't matter. You're going to have the toll as well, as well as the exorbitant amount of tax on fuel in this country, and again they closed down our only oil refinery, making all of this worse. Now, if you go over to the Daily Examiner, published this last week, public import sought uh, to inform pri- public import sought to inform privacy rules for biometrics. Basically, facial recognition technology. Privacy Commissioner Michael Webster is encouraging New Zealanders to have their say on the use of biometric information in. New Zealand, I'm sorry, I refuse to woos. "you ruse, you, 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 I'm not going to use the Aotearoa New Zealand, that's not the name of this country. The Officer of the Privacy Commissioner today launched its consultation paper. Privacy regulation of biometrics in New Zealand and will be seeking public feedback until 30th of September. Biometric technologies can have major benefits, including convenience, efficiency and security, but they can also create significant risks, including risks related to surveillance and profiling lack of transparency and control and accuracy, bias and discrimination, said Mr Webster. He said the consultation aimed to hear from New Zealanders amid growing concern over this issue, such as examples of stores using facial recognition technology as part of their CCTV systems, as I've done uh, an episode before on private business already implementing facial recognition technology and how long they'd been doing that before without even... Uh, telling the customers that they were doing it and the only reason i realized was because new fancy dancy cameras had been appearing but also signs on the doors now because they've been told that they have to alert the customer of what is actually happening but see this is now a way for the government to bring it in too so our biometric information is uniquely sensitive to each of us. It's the biological and behavioural details that make us who we are. It can inc- it can include our facial details, voice, fingerprints or even how we walk. Technology and privacy don't need to be mutually exclusive but organisations using biometrics do need to have appropriate safeguards and protocols. Submissions will help inform the potential drafting of further guidance or rules enabling organisations to innovate and benefit from emerging tech while protecting people from harm under the Privacy Act. Uh, different He says different cultures can also hold different beliefs. We are looking forward to learning more from within te ao Māori, for example, about protections for tangata whenua. After analysing all feedback, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner will aim to share its findings and proposed regulatory approach by the end of this year. This will be the first of a series of consultations on privacy-related issues over the next year. Oh, OK. Now, of course, we go over to the World Economic Forum... And they have articles on things like responsible limits on facial recognition technology. Uh, the challenge, the development of facial, rec te- uh, facial recognition technology, or FRT, presents in considerable opportunities for socially beneficial uses, mostly through enhanced authentication and identification processes. But it also creates unique challenges. To fully grasp these challenges and the trade-offs they may entail, and to build appropriate governance processes, it is necessary to approach FRT deployment through specific use cases. To this end, the World Economic Forum has spearheaded a global and multi-task holder policy initiative to design robust governance frameworks tailored for various use cases. The first Workstream was launched in April 2019 and focused on flow management applications, replacing tickets with facial recognition to access physical premises or public transport, such as train platforms or airports. In 2020, a second work stream was started with a focus on law enforcement, identifying a person by comparing a probe image to one or multiple reference databases to advance a police police investigation. Here they use their favourite word. This project convenes various stakeholders from all sectors of society to, co- to co-design a framework structured around two core elements. A set of principles for actions that defines what constitutes the responsible use of facial recognition for a specific context, and a compliance tool Uh, that details the requirements that law enforcement agencies must respect to ensure compliance with the principles for action. Uh, How to engage, they say. Pilot, partner, implement the government's frameworks in your organisation, share feedback and contribute. And I think New Zealand's ready to contribute or at least implement all of this. And I just wonder how much of the World Economic Forum... Uh, recommendations or ways to use it they will go along with. I'd say say that's who's running it ultimately and the United Nations and who knows behind that, don't know. But there you go, facial recognition in New Zealand going from the private into governmental and we know that they're only telling us this now because it's been used for many years and then we have the smart speed cameras they're going to be looking into your cars they already track us on our phones and They're spraying the skies. Fantastic, isn't it? Actually, you know what? On top of spraying the skies, what I didn't add, if you want even more evidence of that, which is the video I did that got me heavily censored on social media, um, particularly Instagram, is the article from from Forbes in 2021. A Bill Gates venture aims to spray dust into the atmosphere to block the sun. There you go. More geoengineering. Uh, The evidence is all out there and don't let people mock you for believing it because they just don't have the information and it's very real so that's it's all fun and games in the circus okay well I'll leave it there for today and uh, this has been the arriving somewhere with Matt J podcast just reminding you again to like share subscribe and comment and I will talk to you again tomorrow